0: every generation there is a chosen podcast it alone will analyze the subtext the allegory and the clever witiness dialogue it is conversations with dead people
1: Welcome to Conversations with Dead People, a podcast dedicated to exploring, analyzing, and celebrating the television series Angel. I'm your host, Paul Smith, and every week, more or less, uh, I'm joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of each episode in depth and within the context of the series as a whole, which means there will be spoilers. This is your official spoiler warning. There's going to be lots of them. Um, So proceed with caution. Uh, And with the with the uh, spoiler warning out of the way, let's go to work. Uh, Let me reintroduce joining me back again for the first time in way too long. uh, Give it up for America's favorite philosophizing Frenchman, Matthew Cravat. Matthew, welcome back.
0: Um, Thanks for having me, Paul.
1: Did I? It's been a minute. It's been more than a minute since you've been on the show. So did I uh, pronounce your name correctly? Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, I, I, I Americaned my way through it. I bet. But um, yeah. So, it's been a while. I think the last time you were on was in uh, season three of Buffy. I think we were talking about Doppelgangland and a couple others. I think Enemies and Earshot, maybe.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so it's been a little while. Um, uh, the world has moved on and changed since the last time you were here. But we don't need to go into the details. Everybody knows the weird. Uh, multiple apocalypses apocalypse i do we've been living through uh, over the past three years so i'll just ask you briefly
0: you and your family are doing well happy healthy right we're doing okay um i thankfully uh with the pandemic i've been i'm more worried about my family than myself but i've just had covid and gone through it and have it's been pretty mild compared to what some other people are going through so I'm thankful for that. Wow.
1: What's the vaccine situation over there? I don't want to I don't want to derail us, but are you is that something available to you?
0: Um we're we're vaccinating senior citizens first. Okay. So um not yet, but I think friends starting off really really late actually. We it was a really slow process at first, but um we're yeah i
1: think we're catching up somewhat okay well i mean you're talking to an american and we've been terrible (laughs) so um but uh yeah i think my wife i'm still a ways off from if the list of availability continues the way it has been i'm still a little ways out um i am not an essential worker by any stretch of the imagination they don't give a damn about podcasters um My wife is in the next wave. She's scheduled to be in the next wave later this month. So God willing, she will uh, have her vaccination shortly. But fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. I'm uh, sorry to hear that you went through that, but glad to hear that you've survived. So thank you. Thank you. you uh, Thank you for pulling through just to do this podcast. I know it was a struggle. I know you had to hold on just so you could join me. And I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Right, well, we've had to reschedule, so thanks for waiting <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: I mean, that is that's the that is the rule, not the exception of this podcast The scheduling on this show is uh, uh, is something else But um, yeah, I, I'm happy I, I did not want to pull the rug out from under you I, I knew that you wanted to talk about these I wasn't going to yank this away from you Just because you were insensitive enough to catch a plague
0: How dare you? I know, right? How dare you? <laughs>
1: Anyways, so enough tomfoolery. Let's uh let's get to it. So tonight we're gonna to talk about two episodes of Angel. We have um in your absence, I've completed the run through Buffy, and now we're talking about Angel. Uh we're gonna talk about episodes one oh eight, I will remember you, and one hundred nine hero. Um both have a reputation for being sort of tearjerkers
0: of season one. Yep. So what a what a couple of episodes it is.
1: I know, what a great pairing, right? So Let's go ahead and kick off with uh, 108, I Will Remember You. Interior, Los Angeles Day, open on angel, winding
0: a clock. How symbolic could that possibly be? Right. Yeah, I think um, time is definitely a nice, how might I put it, a framing device mm-hmm. in this episode. I don't think it's really the topic at all. Like It doesn't tell us much about time, but it tells us a lot about meaning and sacrifice and... Right, forgetting.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, time is the MacGuffin, I guess, of the episode, and it does allow. I mean, because they've because they use the the process of time as sort of the the hook or the gimmick of the episode, it does allow for that really powerful. Now, I'm going to have some things to say about this episode, but there is absolutely mm-hmm. no denying by anyone, I wouldn't think, even myself, that uh, the Farewell moment between Buffy and Angel at the end of the episode is powerful and emotional.
0: Oh, yeah, it hits
1: hard every time. Yeah, so, uh, but before we jump that far ahead, let me ask you what was it about these? Well, what was it about this episode? I will remember you that, uh, that interested you. Why did you want to talk about this one?
0: Well, uh, to be honest. Hero is what brought me. <laughs> as to soon as I asked, I was like, Decepts, "Oh, that is the uh, next
1: one." That he didn't really care about this one, but oh uh, no,
0: I, I I do care. The thing is, hero. Well, my work on Buffy uh, and Angel focused on heroism, ah. so uh, of course I couldn't not want to talk about hero. Right. But um, I'm very glad it's paired with "I Will Remember You" because it's an amazing episode itself, and actually the pairing is um makes sense like those episodes follow each other Mm -hmm. the second one contains references to the first one and they have they're very very cohesive i think they're a unit of meaning right um and with just those two episodes we could actually pretty much uh expand on the show what makes the core of angel is contained encapsulated in those i think so yeah thanks again for having me i'm looking forward to really getting into it um
1: yeah i forgot uh, my intent going forward is uh, i'm going to start paying a lot more attention or, or at least calling out as often as i can the Creative forces behind each Episode and so I should have Mentioned that this one uh, I will Remember you originally aired November 23rd 1999 it's written By David Greenwalt and Janine Renshaw and directed by David Grossman Um, so those are the Creatives involved in this Particular episode and um, so this Duology that we've got here I Will remember you and hero uh, not Only do they pair well together Thematically but they bracket the Crossover So this episode leads into, and we can talk about whether it was even necessary to do this, and we will talk about if it was necessary for this crossover, but it leads into the crossover where Angel jumps over to Buffy for an episode, kind of, sort of. He goes over to, is it 408? Is that what it is, Pangs? I think it was Um, 408.
0: Right. I think it, uh, yeah, yeah. He he comes from Pangs, because Doyle's... um, well, was it like not wedding does ex wife's wedding where his brains almost got cut out leads into pangs, which leads into, I will remember you. Right. Um, Cause Buffy, he, he wanted yeah, to have no, no, Buffy of course. and she tracks him down.
1: Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did I even get that mixed up? Because that's the whole reason Buffy's here. Anyways. Yes. So this does bring us back from that crossover of pangs and, I will just say, uh, should not come to a surprise to any of my regular listeners, but uh, I am I have a history with Buffy Summers. I'm, I'm iffy on Buffy Summers. Um, and her appearance in this particular episode, um, obviously it allows for some truly powerful moments that we'll get to, like the farewell at the end. Um, but it also, there are some of the, the Buffy bits that... Typically make me roll my eyes at her There's something about <laughs> There's something about Her her. I don't even know what word to I was going to say standoffishness But that's not really the right word Something about her attitude That kind of always Digs at me Or, or you know I always take it the wrong way But uh, When she first shows up In LA When she follows him back to LA And is very confrontational with him There's a little bit of that That I struggle with um, And then I also likewise Kind of struggle with how Um, on his heels. Angel is like when she shows up and she's really giving it to him. And he's, I don't know. I, I, he felt pretty,
0: pretty soft (laughs) in those scenes. Right. Well, um, I kind of want to say, I I get what you're saying. Um, I don't know if it can be called a strong point, but I think it's interesting because in uh, Buffy angel scenes, the scenes between the two characters, in Buffy, I struggle more with Angel's portrayal and decisions a okay. lot of the time. Okay. Um, and in Angel, on Angel, it's the opposite when Buffy comes over. Well, the main example is when she comes over later with the whole faith ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I more easily take Angel's side. And I think it's also a sign that he's coming into his character on his own show um that he he's he has a life of his own now uh, of his own now um and um yeah i mean it's true that buffy comes off as very confrontational i don't have i don't have such a problem with that um actually angel annoys me more in some of his decisions but we'll we'll have the occasion to come back to it but mostly when he um later in the episode he goes to fight the more demon alone right and leaves Buffy in bed and I'm like why why would you do that um I think that's an interesting kind of uh ambivalence of the character is we're gonna come back to that also but um he thrives on frustration, right? He's uh, he's sort of a masochist. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but that's also the way in which he is a hero. That's a particular brand of uh, yeah, of self-sacrifice.
1: Self-sacrifice, yeah. It's uh, Angel walks the line between self-flagellation and self-sacrifice. <laughs> um, he really does. <laughs> and uh, and yeah it absolutely is sort of angel's raison d'etre to um to deny himself things uh because he feels he hasn't either because he feels like he hasn't earned them um or because uh like his journey to redemption will be more uh, meaningful probably again not the right word but his redemption will be more, I guess, meaningful, uh, if he doesn't take the easy way, like if he doesn't let him tell himself take shortcuts or whatever. Now we could argue about and, and people have, and we should talk about this. We keep punting stuff till further down the episode. Let's just go ahead and get into this. There's a there's been an ongoing discussion, I think, in the fandom for years. Uh, there are there are different takes on the notion that uh angel You know, has this sort of blink and you miss it human moment. This one episode where for a day he gets to be a human and uh, he gives that up for reasons, which we could debate how valid those reasons are. And then basically spends the next four and a half seasons of the show pursuing the Shanshu prophecy, which is that he gets to become human. So there are people I know who have said like that the fact that he spends the rest of the series pursuing humanity makes this feel odd and out of place. I kind of have a counterpoint to that, but I want
0: to get your take. Um, yeah, I also don't really agree with this take. I um, I think this episode is also important in the continuity of the show as a whole because it is a reference point. The Shanshu, mm-hmm. um, and but I do think that it has some um, shall I say mixed messages. But it um, Angel has well Angel's sacrifice of his time as a human is an also. It is a reference point to what he's looking forward to with Shanshu, but it's also an early hint of how the show's gonna end, um, because of course he's gonna he's gonna keep fighting the good fight. He's never gonna get out of it. Um, what I think it's is interesting in this episode if you compare it to previous episode in the dark. Yeah. in the dark is the earliest um, self-sacrificing angel moment where he gives up the ring of Amara mm. that would have allowed him to live as basically a super-powered human. And I don't really get uh, why he let go of the ring. But I think it's about, I mean, psychologically, I get it because yeah. its it's about guilt. It's about not trusting himself not to go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, as a viewer, I'm kind of frustrating, frustrated by that decision. And I think something a bit different is happening here in I will remember you because in, um, in the dark, a big part of why he sacrificed the ring was because, as you said, he felt he hadn't earned it. It was too soon. He didn't deserve it. Whereas his sacrifice in I Will Remember You is not because he hasn't earned it. Um, Actually, on the contrary, the episode goes out of its way to tell us he has earned it. The oracles, straight up, tell him, you're free, you can go. Right. Um, And the reason that he doesn't and he comes back to his miserable existence is because he wants to. He wants to help. He wants to fight. And in order to be able to do that, he has to be a vampire. And that's closer to the mission statement of the show, I feel, um, than in the dark. Because his sacrifice here is because um, he's not fighting to become human. He's not fighting for a reward. And he sometimes loses track of it but the message of the whole show is that he never is he's fighting it because it needs to be done um now yeah i do think it's there's some uh, muddled messages in communicating that because the whole scene with the oracles when he comes back the second time to ask them to turn back time he says it's because of my weakness Buffy's going to die uh, so take my life back and save hers. I don't think that's what it's about. I think he wants to be able to fight to protect people um, and not just Buffy. So I think that kind of uh, mixed mixed message is a bit unfortunate. But I understand the decision he makes here, and I think it's not just him being self flagellating although it obviously is there's some you know of that I mean? yeah yeah there is some mm-hmm. of that there uh
1: in fact when he he doesn't say this to the oracles or, or I'm, I'm not remembering everything he says to the oracles but i know when he after he's made the decision and he comes back and he's explaining it to buffy he does say something along the lines of you know if i you know if we take this it'll uh it'll how can I protect you or it'll cost your life and the lives of others. Like he does throw that in there at one point. He does point out the fact that he's not just doing this because he needs to protect her, but that other people would also suffer if he made that choice. Um,
0: Right. So that's where we're champions. We don't belong to ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I think that's true to what the series is about. And I think the other part of what he's saying, which is I need to protect you. Buffy is idiotic. Isn't because I mean he left her because he wanted her to have a normal life and a normal boyfriend. And she's with Riley who basically is like a human angel, uh in his (laughs) at least his capacity to fight and knowledge of the underworld. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so that shouldn't be a problem for her. So what 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 is he getting worried about? no it, I think it's really about uh, it's really about protecting other people yeah. and sacrificing his life and happiness for a higher purpose yeah i uh far more often than not, I am
1: uh guided by my emotional reaction to fiction to films television books whatever like I will respond more emotionally to things than I do to the the sort of details. So, most of the time on this podcast when I'm like nitpicking the little details that this show gets wrong or whatever, that's it's just fun nitpicking. That kind of stuff doesn't usually like genuinely ruin my enjoyment of a thing. That being said, there are when I watch things like this, I mean, the 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 early seasons of Buffy certainly were more monster of the week centric. Like there were many times where we'd get a monster of the week uh, that was introduced, and they managed to tell a compelling story with a beginning, a middle, and an end in a single episode. So, like this, this, these series are capable of doing that. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because we've now had, at this point, we've now had, well, I guess technically at this point we've only had four seasons. Anyways, for whatever reason, watching it now, rewatching watching the series now, I watch episodes like this, and I'm like, you know what? This whole human for a day thing and his struggle to figure out if it's the right thing to do might have played out better if it had had two or maybe three episodes.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think um, part of my, I mean, one of my gripes with the episode is the pacing. It's mm-hmm. very jarring. It's all happening too fast, and I think some scenes, like you mentioned, the uh, Farewell with Buffy um, works very well. Mm -hmm. But the whole Oracle thing is kind of – it's a huge lore element also. Yeah. It's like you'd think that Doyle would have mentioned that before. Um, And it all happens in one episode and, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: What did you think (laughs) – yeah, what do you think about the, the Oracle's? I, um,
0: well, what did you think about the oracles? Well, uh, well, spoiler alert, uh, get killed pretty soon. I know. We don't have to think about it very long. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I'm not weeping over them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I agree with you. It's, it's a pretty big lore element. And I, and it does, um, I love world building and anything that adds some little, uh, detail into the mythology. I, Generally like that kind of stuff And on this rewatch I wasn't I didn't roll my eyes Quite as hard (laughs) As I have in the past but They are some goofy Looking Characters yes Like Um, um, I had not forgotten How cheesy the oracles looked I'm never going to forget that that is permanently Burned into my brain so when they When on this rewatch when they popped up I was like yep there they are. Let's just get through this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's one of the clumsier part of um, the episode.
1: You know, if they had got, and and we'll talk about this when we get in the next episode, and we get to talk more about Doyle, but uh, maybe if they had had a little more time, uh, if we dealt with the Oracles over a longer period of time than we ultimately end up doing, uh, maybe we would look back more fondly on them, but because um, I feel like even in this one episode, I see little hints of promise on the the interactions that he has with them. Uh, and I can just imagine a storytelling world where there could have been some fun, compelling things done with them. But in the short term, I guess they're, I guess the visual look of them is they're supposed to... There's kind of a Greek thing going on. Um, right. all, all you super smart people like you, Matthew, you can tell me, uh, was that... Was that Greek on the door that said uh, the the gateway for lost souls or whatever that said?
0: Oh, uh, that's a good question. I actually don't picture it uh, right now. Okay. But it's very likely because the whole aesthetic is definitely ancient Greek. Yeah. yeah. And you have the oracles, the, uh, the toga. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That
0: thing they're wearing. That...
1: Yeah, and I was going to say that I, I... – I guess the sort of makeup effect that they've got on them is supposed to look like sort of marble or whatever when you get close up shots of them it looks pretty i mean it, it doesn't yeah. look good in close up but I guess what they were going for is they're supposed to look sort of like marble statues that have come to life or whatever I don't know but uh it, well, it's i i'm I'm kinder to them now on after multiple rewatches than I was on the first viewing but they're still goofy
0: well if you're okay with me taking this occasion to make a larger thematic point about angel absolutely um the ptb or Mm -hmm. the powers that be are um an, an interesting element of the show because they always felt a bit odd somehow um and i mean we can now or later we can get into why that is, but I have my own philosophical theory about it. Um, But I think the point, um, if there are powers that be, if there are a divine force for good, basically, in this show, in this universe, it has to be very, um, very restrained. It has to empower the protagonist to fight rather than doing the fighting for them. And I think that's what they were trying to go for with the oracles in the way that um, even the oracles for those super powerful good guys, they're a gateway, basically. They answer to the powers that be. And I think they were trying to hint at something that's beyond. Uh, I just don't think it's very well done because making them visual, like giving them a face and a voice at all, sort of already goes counter to the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, yeah. plus they look cheesy. (laughs) They look cheesy.
1: It's ironic. um, I agree with that, with what you're saying, that that giving the powers that be, or their representatives, at least, a physical manifestation, runs the risk of looking pretty cheesy. Um, But it's ironic because, you know, ultimately we're going to find out who Wolfram and Hart are, and... Um, I absolutely love the fact that even though we never see this, all right, so on the good side, you've got the powers that be, and on the bad side, you've got the senior partners, and we never, uh, to the best of my knowledge, thinking about it right now, we never actually physically see the powers or the senior partners, but we see physical representatives of them. So we've got the oracles on this side and Wolfram and Hart's attorneys. <laughs> on the other side. And there's the episode. I can't remember what episode it was. And I think it's not till season two when, uh, angel finds out like, like Mm. when, when, um, Oh my gosh, what's his name? Holland Manners. Holland manners. Thank you. When he, you know, takes him in the elevator and says, we're going to hell. And then he just lets him out onto the, an LA street and says, here we are like, that was so powerful. And I love Mm. that. So on the one hand, I love the physical face that they give to, you know the servants of the senior partners, but the powers that be get these goofy oracles <laughs> over in this corner that I'm not as fond of
0: well, that's a very good point about the senior partners. I hadn't thought of that as a counterpoint, which they really are but um, that in Buffy and Angel, evil is everywhere, and it's usually very physical. there's mm-hmm. demons there are no angels um what the fighters of good are humans and sure slayers but basically humans and the forces of evil look very different and you know they're um so i think the philosophical and moral structure of the basically the, the more world building if you will um is that evil comes first um uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, evil is, um, evil precedes good. Um, I think because evil is there and evil does harm, of course. And then people like Buffy and Angel feel obliged to do something about it. And that's why the heroes, and we're going to talk about it with Doyle, definitely, because that's what happens in hero. Um, so I think good and evil aren't. Good parallel. They're not equal and symmetrical in um in the Buffyverse. They work pretty differently. But it's you all right I think, that they did try to get a symmetry between the powers between the powers that be in between Wolfram and Hart. Um, but I think the reason it works in the case of Wolfram and Hart, as you pointed out, it does work better, is because Wolfram and Hart's faces are uh, basically interchangeable and plentiful. There's the, they're the working lawyers and they are shown constantly as being expendable mm-hmm. uh, If the show. Um, they get killed, but there always be more because they're representing a nameless firm. Right. Uh, as opposed to the very nominal, unique villains in each season of Buffy, Wolfram and Hart is the permeating evil that's always there um and so when the showrunners give a face to evil and wolfram and heart their faces that we know are human and that they might get killed and replaced so they really are just a vehicle uh, for something larger than them whereas the oracles try to get that feeling across but they're they're too supernatural for it to work yeah
1: um, well, we keep talking about the the hero's journey in Doyle, so let's uh, let's finish up this so we we can really get into Doyle. So the the aside from the network mandated crossover purposes uh, that had to be served here, like they they wanted Buffy to pop up on the show so that she would bring some of the viewers over. Um, aside from that, um, and one could argue, and maybe part of me. Will argue that uh, there's a lot of fan service going on here. I mean, there's a lot of gratuitous uh, post-coital naked angel with Buffy licking (laughs) ice cream off of his nude chest. That's all. That all seems like fanfic right there. But okay, we'll let we'll allow it. Aside from all that, I think earlier you alluded to what the real purpose of this episode is, and that is to let uh, is to show Angel. Choosing a difficult path to being a hero Like doing the heroic thing Means doing the thing that you feel Is what you feel is right Not about what protects you Or keeps you safe or makes you personally Happy it's about doing the right thing And that's the larger message of Angel Across the entire series Um, And this, this gives Doyle A direct example Something to see, something to witness I mean he doesn't witness it in this episode necessarily But he learns about it very shortly Um and that acts as an inspiration And uh, Minear, Tim Minear has said um, I believe he said That this episode originally Had kind of been intended To be the uh, the last temptation of Angel It was supposed to That was the role it was supposed to serve It was supposed to give Angel an easy out And like He could have gone with that I mean the thing is Buffy has all sorts of Human Non-supernatural allies that managed to survive the fight. So Angel could have learned. He could have, Angel could have gotten by as a human and helped with Buffy's struggles.
0: Yeah, he really could have, he really could have. And I think he would have if he was still in Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, But I think the fact that he didn't shows that he's already built something here with Doyle and Cordelia and his link to the powers that be. Um, to the people he's trying to protect here, uh, which is very meta because, um, of course, the reason the reason he doesn't go be with Buffy is because he has his own show to be the main character of.
1: Right. Um, exactly.
0: But I, I think you made a very very important point when you were talking about inspiration and uh, him, yeah, inspiring Doyle, showing the way that Doyle's says that in hero he says i could never do what you did uh i would have chosen the pleasures of the flesh every time um and i think that's what heroism i'm kind of plugging my theme because it was what i worked on but um that's what heroism is about um in in media format first and for um in media for in media format first we see heroes we watch and we like heroes because of their inspirational value there's someone we aspire to be like um, and I think it's a defining one of the defining qualities of a hero is to be regarded by others as a hero there's no in a way there's no such thing as an unsung hero right and, um, and that's why in a way I will remember you is necessary for, for the next episode. Yeah, no, well said. Um,
1: I, I guess before we let this episode go, because it's, uh, uh, I mean, I think I've been clear that I, not to hit the pun too Two on the head here but um i remembered this episode more fondly than i do on this rewatch this episode's fine and it has it certainly has lovely bits parts in it that i really love but uh, um, i don't want i know it has a huge fan following so i don't want to just dismiss this episode i will say that um we get that really powerful goodbye which uh between buffy and angel which actually is helped by the rushed time the fact that that moment has to take place because she says, well, when? When are we losing all of this? And he says, uh, in one minute. <laughs> that's That allows for the really desperate, like the begging, the pleading for this not to be true. And that's what the emo- where the emotion of that is.
0: That's true. And I think it cinematographically, it's also in a sharp cut. Um, you know, that contrast between... The um, one image and the next, mm. the the idea of, um, I will remember, I'll never forget, I always remember, and then boom, mm-hmm. next scene she's forgotten, and that's a technique that's often used to very, include include um, the body when Buffy's mm-hmm. remembering the, like uh, Thanksgiving dinner with her mom or um, or that episode I think is the fifth episodes of season uh season seven selfless when anya goes bad again and fights with buffy right i always remember that scene where that flashback to the music where she's singing and there's a sharp cut and then she's nailed to the wall with a sword in her chest
1: yeah
0: that's kind of shock effect is there's also some of that going on in um i will remember you Mm -hmm and i really like that technique yeah Mm.
1: um okay so yeah good stuff oh i'm sorry go ahead
0: i I also uh yeah i just wanted to come back on one point that we haven't really mentioned about this episode it's the silliness of some of it in a good way in a good way Yeah, yeah like when angel becomes human and uh he rushes to eat food and chocolate. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it is fanfic-y. It is definitely fanfic but that's also hilarious. It is pretty like, hilarious. I love that. We did get
1: a boom mic. In my notes, I have boom mic alert, and that was the scene when he rushes over to the little fridge and starts shoving food in his mouth on the on the left-hand side of the screen. For just a second, you see the boom mic come in and then move back out really quick. So... Oh
0: never noticed that
1: I think it was a boom mic it might have been a camera lens I don't know it was something that we weren't supposed to see and it moved quickly out of frame but um, no that was funny there there was a lot of humor in this for being such an emotionally devastating episode there was a lot of humor most of that revolved around Cordelia and Doyle Um, but Angel as always we get some great funny stuff anytime Boreanaz gets to cut loose and not be the the uptight you know dark avenger or whatever that's always fun
0: right um the dancing scene and oh yeah oh
1: yeah (laughs) yes um okay anything else about this
0: one before we jump into um well as a transition i'm gonna say this episode is a pretty self-aware one Uh i think you you have the whole parody at the start when uh Doyle and Cordelia talk about how Buffy and Angel are miserable every time they're together and it's underlined Um, and I think that's good to note because there's a Parallel like something that those two episodes that we're talking about tonight have in common Um, They're thematically related. They're pairing. They also have similar structure a very conscious structure with um cyclical feel to it when you have an early scene that's also the last scene and takes a new meaning and uh. in i will remember you that's this of course the uh try to forget yeah in the scene in, the, in angel's office and in hero it's the skit um the ad and yeah i thought that was interesting because of course, a lot of uh, episodes of Buffy and Angel, especially the better ones, have very conscious, thought-out structure. But it rarely um, comes out, comes off quite as clear. As clear. Uh, I'm. That's
1: very good. I had not actually thought of that. The fact that both of these episodes feature that same sort of uh, book-ended structure. Spoiler alert: The book ending in Hero is, for me personally, much more powerful <laughs> than the book ending was in I Will Remember You. But still, that's pretty cool that they both do that. I hadn't, re- I hadn't realized. Um,
0: and I think the re- <laughs> sorry, one last point about okay, okay. that. Um, I think the reason for it is, has something to do with the nature of sacrifice, um, in a way, because. Sacrifice is about, well, etymologically, etymologically, that's a hard word to say. Uh, <laughs> it's it's about making things sacred, right? You give up something and you offer it to the gods, and it makes you lose something. But it's as the same time as you lose it, it also it's also imbued with new meaning, um, and I think those book ends help us revisit meaning very clearly. Um, Angel's short time with Buffy and Angel's dialogue with Buffy takes on new meaning for the day that's been lost. Mm-hmm. And those take about there are still heroes in this world definitely takes on more meaning after he's shown that um, he's not it's not just talk, right?
1: Definitely. All right. So, well, let, let's let's do Hero. Originally aired November thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. So the fa- just a week after I will remember you. It's written by Howard Gordon and Tim Minear, and directed by Tucker Gates. Um, and I just want to because I I don't often call out the guest cast, but I want to mention um, Lee Ehrenberg plays Tiernan, who I is one of the lister demons i think i'm not i did not actually figure out who that was but lee Ehrenberg, of course he's got a huge resume but i know him as pentel from the pirates of the caribbean films and just the idea that that guy was in angel uh is fascinating and then of course lucas and then lucas of course the bracken demon that we get the flashback to uh when doyle has his flashback that's sean gunn um the brother of james gunn who directed among many things the guardians of the galaxy films for marvel which sean gunn was also in but uh, anyways i thought that was interesting i in yeah. all these years i never recognized sean gunn underneath all of that crazy bracken demon makeup
0: i mean he is very uh green and um spiky
1: <laughs> you
0: know i'm glad you
1: mentioned the green thing because at
0: one point rewatching
1: this when uh and it was specifically a Lucas scene. It wasn't Doyle, but it was specifically a Lucas scene. I remember thinking, I, I, was, I always focus on those little blue spikes coming out of their face. But in this instance, I was like, oh, and his face is really green. Man, that's very Doyle. Or not very Doyle, uh, Lorne. That's very Lorne, the green face. Like if Lorne had blue spikes, he'd look just like that. But.
0: That's right. It's not that easy being green. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay.
1: So... Uh, this is the episode that you really wanted to talk about So I, I personally feel like there are two sort of major things about this episode that we're going to need to cover But um, we're going to start with you What is it about this episode that you're so
0: Okay, well, um, the thing that jumps out at me the most When I first watched the episode and every time I think about it now It's it's not so much Doyle's sacrifice It's It's the episode about Nazis
1: <laughs> right. Um,
0: that was one of the two big things. <laughs> right, and um so I asked myself, I actually analyzed this episode specifically for the purpose of my work about heroism in Angel because how could I not? Mm-hmm. And um and so I had to ask myself that question, why why Nazis? Um and it's so on the nose, it's without an ounce of subtlety. You've got the boots the march, uh, the uniform, the German accent—you uh, basically got the salute. So, um, yeah, I, I, that was something I initially sort of disliked, or that I felt was really, yeah, on the nose about this episode. Until I thought about it some more and asked myself why. So, why did they need to have Nazis? Well it's not because they wanted to make a point about, I don't know, racism or pure, pure blood ideology. It's because uh, Nazis are absolute evil mm-hmm. culturally for Western societies. At least there are point of reference for absolute evil. So the points that they wanted to make, um, I think with those, the scourge, right? Nazi demons was that they wanted a clear cut absolute conflict between good and evil. They wanted to dramatize that and to, to build up absolute heroism in response to absolute evil. It's really not a nuanced episode. And then maybe that may be me reading too much into that line, but you know, that uh, conversation between Doyle and um, the, blister demon kid i forget his name reef reef right um reef to- tells him to take some dramamine right which is of course um which is of course medicine but i don't think the name is a coincidence <laughs> you know what i mean uh no explainer is it because of the no. drama yeah it's because of drama he tells him he's being dramatic right right gotcha talking about heroes and chosen ones and right at least that's how i read kind of read it and um so you've got this story with a nazi nazi demon cult and um an absolute hero a chosen one that's come up to face them which is not that interesting like in itself it's uh it's a story that likes Nuance, it would seem to be at least, and it would be run of the mill in Angel. What's interesting and what makes this episode really live is the identity of that hero. Mm-hmm. It's not Angel. It's not the Dark Avenger. It's Everyman Doyle. And you've got that. Um, you've got those two threads. I feel that are building um, in parallel in the episode. You've got the whole, you know, really dramatic, absolute evil Nazi thing, and you've got the contrast um, between the hero angel and the everyman Doyle. Really, a gap between the extreme situation and the person who addresses it, who go, who is the hero. And that's why I think this episode works. It's because it makes the point that sometimes circumstance makes the hero, and. Everyone can – well, I'm simplifying, but the idea is that everyone can do it by rising to the occasion, mm. which is what actually happened for some people in World War II, by the way. Right, yeah. So I, – and I really took to heart – actually, I it's something I think about in, in my life, and not just one. watching Angel and Buffy, the line, you never know until you've been tested – because I think it's um, an important one and it's widely applicable to personal law or personal life.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm glad you talked about the Nazis being on the nose. Cause that was my very first note. Uh, the very first note I wrote was, uh, the Nazi parallels were always chilling if on the nose. Um, and then I said, but they feel even more disturbing today than maybe they were in 1999. um, Right. Yeah. The I kind of just I agree with you. I agreed with you as I was watching that without the Doyle stuff, like if this if the plot of this episode has just been had just been Angel has to face off against a Nazi demon cult. Um it would have been just another monster of the week thing and I would have kind of rolled my eyes at how on the nose the Nazis were, but um you know, it would have been a just another episode. Um, but I'm glad that you talked through it the way you did, um, with the whole, you know, it's the, it's the regular heroes. It's the, it's the average guy that has to step up to become a hero in a situation like that and how that's really what had to happen in world war two. Like, um, there weren't a lot of dark Avengers lurking in alleyways, uh, in world war two, the real heroes of that conflict were the the you know men and women on the street that were having to live through this and find a way to survive and help others survive and um so that's very cool i love all that um i said earlier that most often i will connect with a thing emotionally more than like the my emotional response to fiction is more important to me than whether it logically holds together or any of that stuff and so whether or not their Nazi parallels are too on the nose, or if, you know, the actual conflict, like I've seen people sort of raise an eyebrow at the fact that this was supposed to feel like another uh, chosen one storyline, but really he, he only saved 17. I think the final count was 17 Lister demons, or whatever. Um, and they're like, well, that's not what sort of savior prophecy is that? That doesn't he didn't save an entire race. We could argue that um, That whole beacon technology Was in development and they stopped it But anyways The point is whether the Nazis are too on the nose Or the actual meat uh, You know meat of the episode Is too Too thin um, This episode will always be In like my top ten list Entirely for The emotional Arc that we go on that we as viewers Experience watching Doyle's rise to the occasion and that final scene that bookend uh where we get to revisit the little ad that he recorded um which also comes back again later much later in the series
0: yeah i'm very glad it does actually because it it is so significant
1: yeah um i mean that tears me up every single time
0: so i rewatched this
1: uh i rewatched these episodes a couple of days ago uh in prep for this. And then I also rewatched them again earlier today (laughs) before we jumped on the mic and on both rewatches, I lost it at the end, the whole, am I done? You know, uh, is that it? Am I done? Man, that just gets me.
0: Right, exactly. And I know what you mean because the whole, the whole speech about heroism, there are still heroes in this world is of course it's good and inspiring, but what really gets me, what, really breaks my heart is the am i done is is that it am i done and the whole awkwardness with which he delivers the speech because you really feel like he's um yeah he's someone who was there not by mistake but by chance and who could have been alive and who didn't know what he was getting into um which makes it more emotionally powerful i have to agree with you
1: mm-hmm. Um man, I don't want that to be the only thing we'd talk about. Um I So the I I often talk about the spin-offs that I wish that we had gotten. Um I will jokingly include a Doyle spin-off in that list. I would love to have seen a Doyle spin off, but really what I mean there is I just I genuinely wish that we had gotten more time with the character. I wish that we had gotten just the the very brief hints at what he was like earlier, um, like when Lucas shows up at his apartment, what he was like before he really accepted his demon nature and that stuff. I really wish that we had gotten more time to explore sort of his past and what he was like uh, but you know when he was with Harry, that was her name, right? His ex-wife yeah. Harry Harriet. Um, And that we had gotten, we'd had more time to have just regular present-day Doyle stories.
0: That's true. That's true. It could have been interesting. I never, watching through Angel, I never regretted that too much because we got Wesley.
1: I know, I know. I would not give up Wesley for anything, but...
0: But, yeah, but I like Doyle. Everyone likes Doyle. (laughs)
1: I don't know. Is that true? Listeners, does everyone like Doyle? I mean Write um, in. Are yes, please. Gobbledygeek podcast at gmail.com. does not liking Doyle make you a monster? Short answer is yes, but go ahead, write in with your opinions. <laughs> um, okay. So what else? Um, the composer, the music in this episode. I'm not one hundred percent sure if it was um christoph beck or robert crawl i'm i think christoph beck only does the occasional the very occasional pieces right he's still credited as one of the composers for the show but i think he's i think the day-to-day work is robert crawl
0: man i have no
1: idea (laughs) okay i i couldn't confirm but whichever one of them was responsible i i think it was robert crawl the score in this really uh did some heavy lifting uh because yes the it is a little bit eye rolling to see Nazi demons. You're like, okay, I get it. They're evil. (laughs) Um, But like the, the music, the score, when it comes in, like I'm thinking of a couple scenes in particular, when angel and Doyle first go to that apartment and find everybody hiding down in that little secret room when they lift up that trap door and find people and the music kicks in. And specifically because that score, that powerful sort of elegiac score comes in and we're watching Doyle. Again, you said earlier that the what's cool about this episode is the sh- the hero isn't Angel the Dark Avenger. It's Doyle. And throughout the episode, there are plenty of very understated, very subtle cues that Glenn Quinn gave us as Doyle is dealing with what's happening on screen. And then finding those guys hiding down in the basement was one of those scenes. And uh, yeah. the first mention of the scourge, like his reaction was not over the top. Like he didn't gasp and and like recoil but you could see it in glenn quinn's face you could see the way he performed as soon as they said the word the scourge he really had a reaction
0: yeah 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 he was really like angel that's that serious business we've got to get out of here where this is not just your average monster of the week and actually the way i felt like maybe something more could have been done there not in that particular scene specifically i mean but with the scourge because they never come back. I know. Um, <laughs> you know, they they seemed like really big, big bad material, right? Um, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like, I I don't feel like this should have been big bads because I don't think it would have worked. They're too on the nose. But the way um, the way they've been sold in the episode, it, it's kind of like if we had that episode in Buffy Ammons, where we first see. The first evil and We first see the first evil and then he never came Back again right uh, that's kind Of the feeling I get from the scourge there, yeah, and uh, Yeah
1: there is an interesting thing Go about ahead. The scourge uh, that I think it's worth talking About and it ties into what you're saying um, They claim To be or or Various people through this episode Claim that the scourge are pure bloods. they're Like Doyle describes them as pure blood Demons and prior Buffyverse Canon has established, and I think they Maintained this, I don't think this is One of those things that they just throw away willy-nilly um, That there are no Pure-blood demons on Earth All demons on Earth are, by their very nature Half-breeds Or they're, they're mixed, or as the Scourge would call them, mongrels and vermin Or whatever That's what the Mayor's whole Ascension Ritual was about
0: Exactly, and Yeah. And for pure blood demons, this card just aren't very impressive. (laughs) Right. Right. So I, I think the way I don't know how much of this, the
1: show intends and how much of this is just me fan wanking stuff in my head, but to address what you're talking about with them in terms of like a big, like they could have been a big bad and they're really kind of just nothing. They never come back. They're dealt with in this one episode. Um, I kind of think of it in my head as you've got the Lister demons, who are the ones being persecuted, the ones having genocide committed upon them, and you've got the Scourge. And like those two are linked. There's something like for the in Lister demon culture, the Scourge are the big bad. Not mm-hmm. in the larger culture, not in the larger Buffy verse as a whole, like not in not in line with the first evil or even glory maybe, but, uh, it's, uh, to the Lister demon culture and whatever, you know, world they come from the scourge are the big bad.
0: That's true. But it seems to also be shared by Bracken demons like Doyle. Absolutely fair. And, um, to be fair. Well, I haven't, I haven't read much of the Buffy and angel comics, Hmm. but um i think they go more into that whole lore stuff um elder demons elder gods like illyria Mm -hmm. Um, and i think i'm pretty sure i read one chapter where the scourge comes back and buffy fights them but i don't think i think it's mostly like one of one I've seen, and then she meets up with her old boyfriend, Pike, who might be from the original motion picture. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a weird book, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the the point is, I think the comics go more into the lore and yeah. and probably don't make it more coherent.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, my, my experience with the comics uh, has been that they definitely tried to go bigger and deeper with all the stuff that the show... Uh, Couldn't necessarily cover And it was not always uh, To the best effect The comics (laughs) Sometimes having a limitless budget Was not necessarily a good thing Let's put it that way
0: Um, Yeah I completely agree I
1: know I didn't research this So I don't know What the latest thinking on this is But I know there's some sort of Connection or people are trying To find a connection between The Scourge and I don't remember if we ever got a name for him, but from Buffy season three, um, the episode Anne, uh, I think it was the season three mm. premiere. Oh,
0: and there were the right cannon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that demon, demon. Yeah, because basically they look the same. OK, that's what it was. I, c- I couldn't
1: I knew there was some sort of link being made between them. I don't know if that's ever been confirmed or if anyone's explored that, but.
0: I mean, I, I haven't heard of any theories, fan theories about that. I just noticed that I think they look the same. Yeah. And I think that's all, that's all this is. And there is, you could extrapolate because those demons from uh, Anne or live in their own separate dimension, right? So that could be, a, for all we know, that could be a big, huge demon world from which the Scourge comes. But yeah. It, I don't think it's ever confirmed All anywhere, right. my knowledge.
1: All right. Um, what else have we got in here? Um,
0: I mean, there's the kiss,
1: obviously. We should talk about the kiss. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, we should. Um, I just... Yeah. We should talk about the visions, too. Yeah. Because um, the whole... You've been talking about Doyle's arc, um, and I think the visions were a whole, like... A huge part of that, mm-hmm. he his flashback. And by the way, to yeah, to underscore your earlier point about the music, the musical and yeah um, sorry, to come back to your earlier point about the music and the scoring, um, I think that scene where Doyle finds the massacre in his flashback is pretty. Yeah, the music really sells that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says to Angel that he was he just discovered his demon heritage. he didn't know what it meant. Um, and I think that was linked to his first vision. I seem to remember.:
1: Yeah, we get the flashback of his first vision, yeah.
0: Right. And that is um, that represents for Doyle, and it will represent for Cordelia, the awakening of empathy the consciousness, the awareness that people in the world around us are suffering and that we're called to help them, um, which is really a central theme. And so that's where Doyle starts to grow and grow out of his ways. Um, And that's also what I was kind of saying earlier, but I will remember you with the whole idea that evil precedes good Mm -hmm. in the Buffyverse. Is that good is largely born from empathy and care for good good actions or a reaction to the suffering of others. And mm-hmm. it's really presented that way, I think, consistently throughout both shows. Um so that yeah, that was just a point I wanted to to mention.
1: That's good. When you when you were talking about that earlier about um, you know, evil comes first or whatever. Like my <laughs> This is a bigger conversation than we have time to get into here, but I start thinking of things like evolutionarily speaking, um, the notion of good, like evil is basically just selfishness and, and for all intents and purposes, life, the notion of being a, a living thing requires you to be selfish. Like in order to have life, you have to care first for yourself, (laughs) basically uh, i am not a philosopher uh, matthew so i'm not going to i'm going to stumble my way through all this but those are the kind of thoughts that keep me awake at night the fact that uh, you know basically uh, as lower beings you know we all started as um living things that only progress because we were selfish like oh, living things eat other living things and so on and so forth and good comes about once there's a level of sentience that we that we gain empathy and we stop. It becomes less about, okay, the life is just about my survival and it becomes about, you know, the experience, the feelings and suffering of others.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. morality. One of the theories of morality, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but is that it comes from empathy and careful others. And that's classic Rousseau, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, in, as for myself, I just, I'm just going to say that that's why in d alignment terms, I define myself as true neutral. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to leave it at that. Nice. Uh, man, the, the d and
1: I'm a d and player from way, way back, by which I mean way, way back I used to play D&D. Um, and the, the, neut- the uh, alignment scale still exists, huh? That's still around?
0: Uh, I don't play uh, Fifth Edition. I I play mostly three point five. Okay. But yeah, that's a nine point alignment. Was right. that the same? Yeah, mm. yeah. It is still around, and it is the subject of endless debates on role playing forums.
1: Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Um, all right. Uh, what else have we got? Is there anything else you want to say about this?
0: Um, you wanted. Talk about the kiss. Oh yeah. Well,
1: I mean that—that's the—that goes into the whole visions thing because, um, of course, we get the—it's an emotional moment. We we get the sort of heroic, you know, the final kiss, the first and final kiss between Doyle and Cordelia, uh, and, and you know, the music swells and all that, and it's a very powerful moment. But then we also get that little special effect of the blue light going between their lips. Which I know once we get into season season four is Jasmine, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I, if I remember correctly, this gets kind of retconned to be something. I feel like they use Jasmine to retcon a bunch of stuff, and I think this might be one of those things. But at the moment, my my current understanding of it is that this is Doyle passing the visions.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I don't think that's been retconned. I think what's been retconned is the idea that... Um, basically, the idea in season four is that all those those things that we saw happen, all of the chain of causality actually happened, but Jasmine planned it all because she's omniscient or whatever. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I kind of tend to not... Uh, especially given the I've always had a problem with it, but especially given the recent revelations about Cordelia's arc being also a cause of, uh, yeah, of, uh, behind the scenes business with charisma Carpenter. I choose to basically ignore season four as far as creative (laughs) continuity is concerned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This will be interesting because I remember, and again, a lot of the. A lot of this is my contrarian nature Which, again, regular listeners I'm sure you're familiar with But um, I remember taking up for Season 4 I remember uh, kind of being a fan of Season 4 And on this rewatch We're going to find out how much of that was Because I was just pushing back Against all the people that said Season 4 was terrible And how much of it was me actually thinking That Season 4 was good We shall see
0: I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh,
1: so am I. So am I. I'm sure there are some listeners that are like, "Yeah, can't wait to see what you think about it now." But, um, anyways, I, I will say, to the best of my memory, there's no large portion of Angel in any season that I strongly dislike. I think I'm pretty much a fan and defender of Angel all the way through, even through its worst mm-hmm. point, even through its worst, mo- worst moments, which a lot of people maintain a season four. So.
0: I yeah. I mean there are I'm a Buffy and Angel fan in general and I kinda I tend to think that in every episode there's good stuff. Like every episode is worth watching for at least one or two reasons. Um and that's true of Angel Season 4 as well. I just tend to I don't really want to watch it right now.
1: Okay, so I shouldn't plan on having you back on to discuss any Season 4 episodes, is what you're telling me.
0: Yeah, I think I was, I mean, you can always call me if no one shows up. But uh, <laughs> If it's absolutely, if no one will talk about Season
1: 4, I can reach out to you. No, you're welcome to come back anytime. If, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I really have something to say about, I can't think of an episode name from Season 4. Is, that, is season four when we get the whole beast thing?
0: Yeah. yeah See, yeah. I
1: love some of that stuff. That's where we got uh, slouching towards Bethlehem.
0: That's true. And yeah, some of the... Uh, what's it called? Sleeper. Mm-hmm. When Angel... Uh, the whole thing is a dream. And dream men to awaken and jealous i think that episode is pretty well done and enjoyable and orpheus Um, that's in there Um, orpheus is amazing yeah yeah. and actually i kind of like um the the few the the end of the season jasmine arc Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i think that the whole confrontation between angel and jasmine and the idea of basically freedom versus um versus global happiness at the cost of sacrificing a few is a very interesting philosophical mm. debate in fiction. Right. Uh, mm. There's also the spin the bottle episode with Lorne that's really yes. entertaining. Of course.
1: Yeah, there's lots of good stuff in season four. Mm. But we'll we'll see how it plays out when we get there. <sighs> Anyways, in the meantime, um in terms of hero, uh it's it's emotional it, it's a fantastic episode, I still keep it up on a pedestal solely for the Doyle stuff As an episode just on its own It's a, it's a little, it's there, it's a bit iffy But for the Doyle stuff, I give it two thumbs up And I'm i am glad that we paired these two together and that we had this conversation
0: mm. Yeah, me too
1: um, I regret that we've had to say goodbye to Doyle but as you wisely pointed out earlier, that means we're about to say hello to Wesley. <laughs> and, uh, Wesley is even in its darkest points. Wesley is the reason to continue watching the show. Even through all of season four, Wesley will always oh, yeah. be here. I think season, season four is four? where we get shotgun Wesley for a long time. My online, uh, sort of identity with Shotgun Wesley that was the name I went by
0: on Uh,
1: a lot of social media things and it was specifically it was specifically for him being all John Woo and shit in season 4
0: yeah you've got that scene with the beast where all his shots ricochet out Mm -hmm. and yeah it's really cool and I also love the line I think it's in Spin the Bottle where season 4 is really the season where Wesley comes back rugged and dark yes yeah and And Gunn is like, hey, what happened to you, man? I got my throat cut and all my friends abandoned. That's right.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't see. I cannot wait to get to season four. There is some great stuff. And that's also the Lila season, right?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Lila is a a good part of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. So let's just skip everything else and jump right to season four. No, let's not do that. We won't do that. There's tons of great stuff coming up, including... Including season one See in fact I can't remember how far out we are from it But uh, season one uh, So in our not too distant future One of my very favorite episodes of the entire series Is coming
0: up So, Is it the face crossover? It is, you got me (laughs) I was going to say I'll just
1: let you guys figure out what it is But it absolutely (laughs) is No no no, it's totally cool It's uh, 5 by 5 and Sanctuary I cannot wait to discuss those
0: I agree, it's a highlight of the series for me too Yeah So,
1: uh, well, Matthew, it is uh, the wee dark hours for you, (laughs) I believe. Ah, It's getting there. It's getting there. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad that after all these years, I
0: could get you back on. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm maybe scheduled to come back for season five of Angel
1: um yeah i mean i don't i don't (laughs) as is always the case when i'm closing out one of these episodes i don't have the schedule open so i'm not looking at it but uh if not we will absolutely get you scheduled in for whatever you want to come back for you don't have to wait till season five if you don't want to man you can come back before then
0: sure well i actually do tell me if you if you don't have anyone for a certain episode of season four because i can yeah. Okay. okay. All challenge right. accepted. You know. <laughs> All
1: right, there you go. I will reach out to you at some point for season four. I will challenge you. So, mm-hmm. in the meantime, uh, is there anything you want to let the listeners at home know? Any way they can stalk you online or anything you want to pimp you? Uh, there's still a book in the future, yes.
0: Yes, uh, it might. It should come out this year um, okay. about war in, war in the Wyden verses is that? Do you know the um, name of
1: the book? Is that what it is? War in the Whedonverse.
0: I think it's supposed to be yes. Okay. Mm. So yeah, fingers crossed, as you say. Um, yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm I'm
1: glad you're doing all right. I hope you continue to do all right. Stay safe. Thank you. Uh, and in the meantime, thank you at home, everybody, for listening. You can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website conswithdead.com. You know what I just realized? (laughs) I just realized when you – earlier you said – you told the listeners to write in. I was like, yeah, gobbledygookpodcast at gmail.com. That's the email. (laughs) That's the email address for my other podcast. Oh, my gosh. I've only been doing this for 11 years. You'd think I'd actually know what the hell I was doing. Anyways, uh, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes. At the website conswithdead.com Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Uh, If you do that, please rate us or write us a review That helps us find new listeners Um, If you've got questions for me Or any of my guests Or if you'd just like to join the conversation You can drop us an email at The real email address Conswithdead at gmail.com Or you can follow us on Twitter At conswithdead Or reach out to us on Facebook At conversationswithdeadpeople Next week um, I need to confer i need to confirm with him because i haven't heard from him in a little while but supposedly johnny ho uh, will be returning to the podcast for the first time in a little while and we'll be talking about uh episodes uh 110 parting gifts 111 somnambulist and 112 expecting so until then remember if nothing we do matters all that matters is what we do